0: so much. Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. We're going to close at what time? Tento? Uh, we can go until, uh, Just keep going. All right. Wonderful. Well, I'm glad to be here. Even better. All right. What I'm going to do this morning is share with you a little bit of my testimony and what's been happening in my own life uh, in Belize, what the Lord has done, and, and some of the victories and some of the struggles that we've faced there in hopes... That'll be a blessing to you, as we all have struggles from time to time, right? We all struggle with things. We need to go to the Bible for our hope, for our help, and for our answers. I grew up in a home that was not perfect, and we'll just leave it at that, okay? Uh, Had some struggles, Um, but I'm so thankful that at the age of 14, I came to know the Lord as personal Savior. After actually a time of soul winning with my pastor in town knocking on doors, and I mean, we'd plaster the town with, with tracks, go to parking lots, and just stick them everywhere we could, and, uh, but after that, I came to know the Lord's personal Savior. The next year, uh, answered the call to preach during a spring revival conference at our church in Collingwood, Ontario at the time there, and from there, didn't know what the Lord would have me to do. You ever been there kind of questioning God, mm-hmm. what's next, right? And I would take the next step, we're faithful in in taking the next step and doing what God would have me to do And through life. That's how it went. I eventually moved out of my my mom's house with her blessing in order to go to school in another, in a city, in in Barrie, Ontario, because they had a Christian school. And to be honest with you, what was happening was I was homeschooling and working at the same time. I started working when I was 15. And she said, I thought you were going to be a preacher. You don't even have your grade 12 yet. Right again. So I quit my job. I moved to Barrie. While I was there, met my wife. That was a blessing. There's, okay. I'm just checking the crowd here. Um, we started dating, courting, whatever you want to call it, in grade 12. Went to Bible college together. Started working in a new church plant at the same time. Stayed there for several years while working a full-time job. And to be honest with you, I was getting a little frustrated. I said, God, what's the deal? I thought I was supposed to be a pastor. You know, just. Just pastor people, and, and everything's perfect, and, and that would be fine. I thought that was, that was the deal, right? And I was getting frustrated. So I started trying to push my own way, trying to open doors that weren't opening. And, and finally, our church choir had a song, and the song was called, God is in Control. So before the message even started, God was convicting me. And, oh, okay, I'll back up. I'll just let you take control. I'll, I'll be faithful in what you've called me to do, and I'll just let you lead. It wasn't shortly after that that uh, I got a call from a friend of mine, uh, Phil Smith. He does a, a claim ministry, goes around and helps build uh, orphanages and schools, orphanages and churches and, in other countries and helps locally as well. And he said, Are you going on some trips this year? I said, Absolutely. Where? Well, I know I can go on too. He said, Well, I've got cancer. Would you take a trip to Belize for me and Newfoundland? I said, Sure, I'll do that called my wife, said, uh, uh, apparently in two weeks I'm going on a trip to Belize. So I had to, we had to navigate and figure out, is this a country? What is this? Is this a city? We didn't know what Belize was. But I went there in the middle of summer, something you don't do in construction. You take the nice trips like that in the winter, usually. But I went just because the Lord had directed. And while I was there, God got a hold of my heart. And we saw the need of the people in the country and, and God just made it evident that that was home for us. Um, men, have you ever made a decision without talking to your wife? Shh, yeah. <laughs> it happens from time. She's like, uh-huh. So you would understand that flying home for several hours, trying to think about how do I tell my wife that we're moving to a third world country? What does this look like, okay? So when I got home, I, was, uh, I did what any man would do in this situation, Having to face this scenario, I had a nap instead. And I said, Lord, you're just going to have to do something here because I don't know what to say. Conveniently, right after that, it was time to go to church. I said, okay, we'll go to church. Everything's fine. Well, she started asking questions. And, and my wife is the type of person who likes to be home, likes to cook and be in the kitchen and take care of our kids and go shopping at the grocery store and, and look at where they rearrange things. My wife is a homebody. But she started asking questions. She said, what's, what's Belize like? I said, it's nice. Well, well, what about the people? And I felt like it was, I was being interrogated. I was like, they're, they're fine. You know. She said, are we moving to Belize or what? <laughs> I said, who told you? you? know, Because while I was in Belize, though, God was working in her heart. And it's just amazing to see how if you are faithful and you will let God lead how he will. So shortly after that, um, he continued to guide and direct. And uh, we should pray before I go any farther. I think that'd be a good idea, but we'll go through the rest of it here in a minute. God, our Father, we thank you for this time that we have to, to, to just meet and to worship and to get into the Bible. And Lord, I pray that today would be a, a time of encouragement and uh, conviction, Lord, uh, about things we might need to take care of. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, all that said, I I, will get back into some stories here in a minute, but I'm thankful that God called me to be a missionary. A dictionary definition of that would be um, someone who, a person sent on a religious mission, especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. That sounds like a good thing. We also know the song, Be a Missionary Every Day. We can do that here as well. And I know some people that would say, Well, that's just not for me. That's fine. If you don't want to go to a foreign area, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I know somebody who believes that God's calling upon their life to be a Christian mechanic. We need those, right? We need need honest Christian mechanics, and that's a wonderful thing. My sister-in-law would say God's called her to be a Christian school teacher. You can have it, okay? Good for her. But I'm thankful that God has called me to the country of Belize, and it's been amazing. It's amazing how God takes our past, And the things we don't understand to help and shape us for our future. I grew up on a farm, uh, driving tractor at nine years old. You know, that's just how it was. Grew up on a farm and then had a a masonry company with laying block and brick and stone and all these fancy things. Which was great, except, like I said, I was discouraged. I said, God, why, why am I doing this? I thought you had something greater for me. So again, like I said, God continued to lead, and I just was faithful. After a while, after going on another missions trip to Brazil, God convicted me about the fact that we had a bunch of employees, and I thought, I can't be ready to go where the Lord sends if I've got these guys I've got to take care of as well. So we changed it up, and I went to a steel roofing company and and started a company with that, and that was great. We enjoyed that as well. But all these things led to where I am today, Because if you were to be in Belize this morning, you would probably have a little farm. You would grow some sort of crop or have a cow or all these things and, of course, some chickens and all those things as well. If you're wanting to build, guess what you would build out of? Blocks. And what kind of roof would you put? A thatch roof or a metal roof? I like the metal. It lets in less snakes and scorpions and all those kind of things you don't want there. But it's amazing how God can use us whether we think we're something special or not. If you were in 2 Kings, turn with me to 2 Kings this morning. We're going to find a man there. We'll just briefly go through um, a few things here this morning. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we see a- another person in the Bible who is an encouragement to me. I like studying different people in the Bible and how the Lord has used them in one situation or another, but today we're going to see Uh, Just briefly, we'll be in a lot of places, uh, a person by the name of Naaman, and of course, this little maid here. 2 Kings 5, verses 1 through 5 says this, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable because by him, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, And she said unto her mistress, "Would God, my lord, were with a prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of garment. Of course, in this passage of scripture, we see a little maid who who knew what she knew and wanted others to know it as well. She didn't have a huge position. She was a maid. She was taken from her land and now was a servant to somebody else. And she said, this person needs to know about my Lord and what he can do in their life. And it's amazing no matter where we are, you you say, well, I just put out the sign in the morning or I just vacuum in here or whatever." God can use that in such a great way. Amen. And we all have different abilities and talents and pasts and different things that God can use to allow us to affect change in somebody else's life. And, and I'm so blessed by that. I'm so thankful. I would hope that whatever you're calling a profession that you would be able to say and want to say that I'm just a nobody wanting to tell everybody about somebody who's done such a wonderful work in my life. First of all, today, I want you to share with you about our missionary journey. The missionary journey that we took on. On, July- on June 4th, 2015 was the first time I went on a mission trip to Belize, which resulted, like I said, in the Lord calling us down there. Belize is a very small country about the size of Newfoundland. I can get from one side to the other. Uh, He asked where where another part of the country was. That's about three and a half hours away. Really, I can go about three and a half hours one way and get across the country, and about five hours the other way, I've covered the entire country. Very small. A population of about 405,000 people. It's a mix of different people. Uh, There, of course, the Garifuna people, the the Spanish people coming up from, uh, from the south. We've got some Mennonite colonies there. Some Maya people, some expats that are trying to move down to survive the end of the world. I mean, we've got all sorts of types down there. So it's a very interesting place. While we were there, what God did in those four plus years absolutely blew our mind. We were able to build many relationships, see Belizeans saved, discipled, and baptized. We saw God build a congregation, a property was purchased, and a building built. You know, speaking of that property, I remember months before that, what we brought down was an old Jeep Cherokee from central Ontario. So it was rusted out. But we brought that vehicle down there because we owned it. And I remember at one time, uh, this new subdivision was being built just on the outskirts of a city. And my family would go there and we would drive down onto this bush lot and climb up on top of our Jeep and just pray and just dream about what God might do there. And when you see the video, that's where our building sits today. God gave us that land in a miraculous way, and we were able to see and continue to see a congregation meeting there today, led by a pastor and doing a wonderful job. We're so thankful for what he's done there, but not only the work he's done in the lives of the people there, but in our lives as well. We've had some crazy experiences there, uh, but Belize has become home for my family. My entire family is looking forward to going back. And we've had our ups and downs. As, as, like I said, the ministry was amazing. We're in the process, right before we left, of splitting off and having two separate Sunday school classes so that we could have a discipleship program going on continually and then another program for those advancing in the gospel and, and moving forward. Um, while we had our, uh, from Barry, our youth group down there for a vacation Bible school and building program, I gave them about an hour or an hour and a half, and I said, okay, take these vehicles, go pass out flyers, and tell them you'll be back in an hour. And let's just see. I've never been in this village called Esperanza, which means hope in Spanish. I've never been there before. Let's just see what happens. Well, I had, a, I had an SUV, and we borrowed another SUV, and in mine, besides the driver, were 30 kids. <laughs> 37 in the other one. It's just amazing the opportunities we have there to present the gospel. By the way, we don't use gimmicks. We don't hand out t-shirts if you get saved. We don't do this or that. A lot of people do. If we wanted to do a free t-shirt day or a backpack, I could easily have 100 kids out. That's, that's not a problem, but that's not what we do. We're there to present the gospel. And it's been amazing to see how, how the church people have understood um, that it's about a relationship they are bringing their friends. It's a place they want to bring people to because they understand it's different, okay? Um, But anyways, continuing on there, of course, we had COVID. We were there for the first year of COVID, and that was interesting. Uh, As COVID started, martial law had already been declared in in the, not in the capital city, in Belize City, more likely because of the gang violence and the fact that the prime minister's gang was losing, so <laughs> they needed a curfew set in place so they could shoot people, you know, that were out. And uh, eventually, that spread across the country where you had to be inside your house by 3 o'clock. And all these different rules and limitations and store closing. and We know of the run on toilet paper here, right? Uh, we had the same issues. You know, rice had become scarce, and, but often we would be without flour, so that wasn't a big deal. Um, but we got used to these things. We had a milk cow there, and that was a blessing. One day, I was finished milking my cow, and I took it down the road to go get some grass for the day. did you know it, four men, four large men in a very small pickup truck came by, police officers, and said, where's your mask? I said, I'm the only one around I can see. Get your mask on, or we will arrest you right now. <laughs> yes, sir, we'll take care of that. So we've had some interesting things there as well. But, but with all that's happened, our family was doing well. Our ministry was doing well. But in spite of all that was going on there, I had completely neglected my personal health. You ever been there? You ever been sick because you're worn down or know somebody in that situation? Number two would be all gas, no brakes. That's how I love to live my life. I'm trying to make some changes. I like the, the adrenaline rush. I like... Go forward and, and don't hold anything back. That, that's me. I used to question God and say, why in the world do we have to sleep for a third of our lives? I mean, eight hours a day, that just seems silly. There's so much to do. And a day off besides that. Uh, I thought I, I could get more done if I just cut those corners a little bit, right? We've all been there. But it got me in trouble. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Who recalls a man in the Bible by the name of uh, Epaphroditus? We're going to look at him here this morning a little bit. Philippians chapter 2 talks about this man and and what was going on in in the ministry here and and, and what happened to him. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verses 25, says this. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger... And he that ministered to my wants, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I might be the less sorrowful. Verse 29 says, Receive him therefore in the Lord... With all gladness and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Does it say here that Epaphroditus was doing anything bad? He, he wasn't. He was doing good things. He was just doing too much, and I believe he got he got himself in trouble because of it. Uh, today it's called burnout. I don't know if you've been there, but, and I'm just being real with you this morning, that's where I was. I had burnt out. Um, how on earth do you slow down when the ministry is going well? Or, or not going well? How do you take a break when, when there's a need? When there's people all around you that have problems or, or, or at work when you know you can get a few hours to help alleviate the stress? How do you slow down in these areas? I was there. And and you know what? Daily right now, I talk to somebody, one person I have a regular call with every day, but I talk to people every week, pastors, deacons, business owners, custodians, all sorts of people that are in this place where they're just done. They're, They're just tired. For me, I was mentally and physically depleted. I was exhausted. The things that used to bring me joy now took effort. I was dealing with some anxiety, often not drifting off till about 2 a.m. I had gained about 50 pounds, heavier than I am right now, uh, not from overeating at all, but from stress and just how that keeps it on. I could feel my heart beating so hard sometimes that I felt it just burst out of my chest. And for me, what felt even worse than that was I would get over-emotional watching silly shows. You ever been there? You're watching a commercial and he's like, that dog is just so cute. Why am I crying? What is going on here? Your emotions can get the best of you in some of these times, right? And you know, okay, this is not normal. Man up, what is going on here? I mean, it was, it was, it was hard. And uh, besides these things, I was facing some physical things as well. I had mentioned my weight. I had also dealt with Candida a few times. As well as dengue fever some of you know what that is not not fun not great at all actually when i got tested i was on my way back to canada uh, for a meeting and i got tested in canada and this guy was so excited the doctor he says this is my first case of dengue fever this is amazing (laughs) thanks doc not great make no mistake i was in my bible every day i was learning personally as well as feeding others but I was running on empty. Do you know what I mean by that? Who remembers their first car? I had a 1989 Ford Tempo, piece of junk, but I thought it was the best thing in the world. I bought it when I was 15, and that's a good thing because it needed a lot of work. But when you, when you are young and don't have any money, often there's a little light that comes on, right? That little, <laughs> that little gas light. And often other lights come on as well. I learned at a very young age how to fix these things. If you get a piece of black electrical tape, you could just cover them up, right? And for a while, it goes away. No more problem. But so often we do that with our life, don't we? We have little warning lights that come on. Hey, brother, you need to slow down in this area. What's going on over here? And sometimes we just try and mask the problem. Try and ignore it. Does it go away? Not at all. Number three this morning, I was able to learn of rest, relationships, and reliance on God. And so it was that on February 6th of 2020, just over two years ago, 2021, I'm sorry, just over two years ago, that with, that with heavy hearts, we came back to Canada. We knew that God indeed used us and that he wasn't finished with us. However, for at least a time, he had led us away to take care of my health. God did an amazing work in providing a man by the name of Pastor Omar to come and take the church. We didn't understand why he was there. Um, When we were there, this new missionary came to town, and he said, I'm going to start a church. Well, praise the Lord. Let me help you in any way I can. You know where he rented his, his house? The exact closest building there was to my church. So what in the world is this guy doing? You know, get out of here! You know, in love, but um, but uh, while he was working in the next village, um, God knit our hearts. And like myself, he was always involved in the community, getting to know everybody he can. Which is a benefit if you live in a foreign country—not only ministry-wise but safety-wise. It's a, it's a big help. Um, but. He would come over sometimes and say, Pastor, can I help you with anything? Can I chop your yard? Can I do Finally, I said, what is your deal? What is your angle? You must be up to something. And the man broke down crying. He said, Pastor, I've had a rough life. I've been in gangs. He was a Mexican who grew up in Texas, uh, put back to Mexico. And uh, he said, God has changed my life. Um, God is, I just want to do whatever I can to please him. I'm just trying to help. I feel about this tall, right? But we understood that God brought him along to take the work there, and we're so thankful. Um, they continue to meet. Last time, about a month ago, they had about four people baptized. They had four people baptized. The church is continuing to grow, and I'm excited to see what is going on there. And God's continuing to do an amazing work there. When I returned to Canada, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't have I didn't know what the plan was for a while except what to heal, to rest, and to recover. A few months after that, as you'll see in the video, um, we decided it was necessary to cut off our support. Not because I was in a bad place at all, but I didn't have an end date. I didn't know how long this was going to take, and I was able to work physically. So I thought, why in the world would I receive support when there's so many other places it could be needed? So we dropped our support completely, also realizing that we would need to get that back um, as well. But we're thankful for that because it allowed us the time to heal and to take the time needed without feeling any pressure whatsoever. Not that there was pressure at all, but I wanted to just be still and and get closer to God and rest in the way I needed to. During this time, I continued to dig into the Bible, and I read a lot of books as well. People, for some reason, are kind of confused when I say I read books. They're like, really, Brother Dan? You read books? <laughs> of course I do. And, and most of them don't even have pictures anymore. So I have graduated. I feel pretty good about myself. But I've led a ro- I've, I have led a ro- lot of books, and that's been a blessing to me as well in this time to understand what I was going through and, and what needed to be done. I grew up with a saying, and maybe you've heard it as well. I was always told I would rather burn out than rust out. You ever hear that? And sometimes I'd even say, "Bless God," at the beginning or end, just to make it sound good. Okay, great. If you've said that before, that's fine. I got no problem with that. But I think I've come to understand that God is probably a little more pleased if we could find a balance somewhere in the middle. We we can go all out, and that's great. But then what? Or we can sit on the shelf and do nothing, and regret the end of our life. What if we live somewhere in the middle? somewhere with balance in our life where we did all we could and trusted God for the rest. I I have burnt out. It's not fun. Some books that have helped me along the way are are called Didn't See It Coming, Margin, Rest, Attacking Anxiety, Addicted to Busy, Winning the War in Your Mind, Stop Trying, and At Your Best. Um, Some helpful verses, even more importantly than that, have been Psalms 91.4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou thou rest. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Psalm 63.7 says, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. We need to understand that our rest comes from him. That is where we find our, our satisfaction, our security, our comfort. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Philippians 4, I'm right there. Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 9 says this, Be careful for nothing. That word careful, we understand, means to worry. Okay? Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. This, this whole chapter is a, really a roadmap. Continuing on there, In verse seven, it says, "And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep you, your hearts and minds through Jesus, through Christ Jesus." Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And then it says. And the God of peace shall be with you. That's something we need today, isn't it? Just that peace and the comfort and resting in God. Another verse that is such a dear um, verse to me talks about how the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. What a blessing that is. I don't have that liberty on earth to to know an earthly father who did that. But our heavenly father, he'll never leave us or forsake us. What a comfort that is. The other things besides these that I've been able to practice and put into practice in my life would be to find a spiritual leader or spiritual leaders in my life who will challenge me and, and, and ask me the hard questions. As a pastor, as a business leader, it's hard to find people that will challenge you. They'll say, hey, brother, this area, I see this in your life, and, and I think you better be careful. Or, or how's, how's your devotional life right now? Or, or where are you at with this or that? And we need that in our lives, don't we? We need people to challenge us. And by the way, adults and, and older seniors, we need to be those that will just go ahead and help the younger. We, we need to find people in our life who will challenge us, and we need to be that mentor, that, that father or mother figure to another. So, well, they've never asked me. They're not going to. But you've got years of experience, and you can help, through, help them through whatever struggle they're going through right now in their life. We need both of those, a spiritual mentor, or encourager, and somebody that we can help along the way, and that's somebody we can help along the way. We, we sing in church sometimes, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, right? But I've been guilty of sharing more with my hairdresser or barber than I do with church members. How's your day? Well, to be honest with you, I'm struggling with this. I'm having a bad time. Me and my wife are arguing or, or whatever it is. But we won't share with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. We, need, we are a part of the family of God. Last night, I was in Leduc, and uh, Colossians chapter 2, we used the verse uh, that talks about how we are to be knit together in love. And we're stronger when we do that, aren't we? We're part of the family of God, and we need to rely and pull on each other and give each other strength. I enjoy some of the things that I miss about Belize, just sitting on the front porch or the back porch in a rocking chair, just sharing life with another person, and just slowing down, getting to know people. I understand here, especially where I come from in southern Ontario, you can, you can be on the phone rushing into a store at closing and see a friend and just wave your hand, and, and that's acceptable, right? In Belize, like the Philippines, it doesn't work like that. I mean, if you go pick up something from the store, you're going to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or longer. And if I don't, everybody in the village will know. Oh, Pastor Dan, he must be vexed. He didn't say hi to me at the grocery store yesterday. And the whole village knows, right? So we have to be very careful with these. And, And that was part of it there, learning the culture, learning to slow down, and learning about relationships. And we need relationships. You might be busy, but we need to slow down. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We as the body of Christ must work together, Amen. challenge and care for each other in love. Ephesians four, fifteen and 16 says, But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body... Fitly joined together and compacted by which, by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. A big passage of scripture which talks about the fact that if we are working together like the body of Christ with God as our head, we're all useful, we are all needed. And, and, and the experiences that you have will help somebody else. And, and the things that you're good at, somebody else isn't. And it talks about the fact that we will grow together. And it talks about we will grow bigger, which talks about the fact that, you know, have you ever been to a church that uh, you walk in the door and something seems off? It's like, uh-oh, something's going on in here. It just doesn't feel right. There's, you don't know, but there's a fight going on. Or, or somebody's mad at somebody else because they didn't like their casserole or, or whatever it was. And, oh, man. But as people see the love of Christ in us, Amen. this will grow. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing. And it's a needed thing. Amen. It also talks in the Bible in Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We could, we could go on forever talking about Barnabas. Barnabas, uh, I'll just tell you in Acts chapter 4, talks about the fact that he was a man who was learned, who had some property, who, who probably went to school with Paul under Gamaliel, and he was a very well-educated man, And he had this property, and he decided to sell it and give it to the church. You know the story there. And then it talks about how God used that. But it also talked about Ananias and Sapphira, right? They said, well, we see all the praise that Barnabas is getting. We should do the same thing. So they sold their property and and brought it to the church the money. And is is this? Did you give all the money to the church? Yes. (laughs) They lied, didn't they? Were they required to give it all? There's no command saying you need to sell it and give it all to the Lord. But they said, well, we're just, we are just—we want the same thing to happen to us. Well, the same thing happened to the wife when she came in the door. She was put to death as well because it wasn't necessarily a financial thing here, but a heart problem that they have. They weren't willing to give all that they had um, and just be selfless in their love. Barnabas was. And we see because of that, He was called Barnabas because he was an encourager to others. God used him in some amazing ways. Think about how he vouched for for Saul. And Saul eventually became Paul. And Barnabas was okay with the fact that he grew higher in stature. It used to be called Barnabas and Paul. And later on in the Bible, it was Paul and Barnabas. And that that person with greater stature took, took the head place. And he was okay with that. We should be wanting to build up each other and encourage each other. In Belize, if somebody in the village is doing well, everybody else would cut them down. If somebody is able to work hard and get a new motorcycle, they'll come and beat the thing. They want to tear you down. We should not want to tear each other down but build each other up. Same thing, who, who else? We see Mark, right? Mark was a young missionary. He wanted to go and help, and he quit. And then we see Barnabas said, well, I'm taking him with me. And we see again how he became valuable in the ministry. Uh, later on, <clears throat> Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4.11, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable for me, to me for the ministry. Not only is Mark back, but to, to the point where Paul, who used to not like this guy, said, Hey, he's useful to me. He was able to restore a brother who, who gave up and, and bring him along. And now he is beneficial again. You don't have to live in a foreign land to do that. You don't have to live in a foreign land to be a missionary. Parents, it could be spiritually pointing your kids to the Lord and, and being that leadership that we ought to be. Training them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Having our own devotions. Setting the tone and being there for others. And at work doing the same thing. And sharing the love of Christ with others. Lastly this morning, the fourth point, I want to let you know that we are ready to move forward. And we're so thankful for this step in our lives. Have you ever had a sports injury? I've never played a lot of sports, but I know it happens. You can get injured. Uh, I, I... lay block forever, and I've got... My elbow is, is really messed up. I've had two cortisone shots in there. I'm only allowed to have one more. From overuse, and, and you have to be careful of these things. You understand when you have a sports injury or whatnot, you have limits, right? There, you, you cannot overdo it. You cannot overextend or overdo it, or you're going to be re-injured, right? I'm not healed. I am not perfect, but I understand... My limits. I understand where, where I need to slow down a little bit and, and take rest in my life and, and trust in the Lord more and rest in him more. Uh, I've added some things to my own personal life, some tools, like I talked about, rest and, and, and margin and additional support as well, and people that will check up on me and meet for others as well. All that said, we're so excited to go back to Belize. We're thankful for what the Lord has allowed us to do there, and we're thankful that we get to go back. In our video that you'll see here shortly, eventually here, you'll see the verse that talks about uh, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we knew God had called us to Belize in the first place, there was no question. But for me, like I said, I was a little I was a little worried. As a father, I've heard stories of other missionaries, and things that have happened to their families, and dangers they face, and stuff that's going on. I thought, Lord, I don't know that you'll ever lead me back with a family to a third world country. But as we continue reading in in our devotions, the verse before talks about the fact that God is all-powerful. Yes. And we have him with us. The verse after talks about the fact that he will never, not he will never leave thee nor forsake thee, but... Um, but uh, Now I'm drawing a blank. It says, that's great. That he is with thee always, even unto the end of the earth. Uh, As I was reading that, I thought, no more excuses. We knew God had called us to please in the first place, and nothing had changed in the country. It was my lack of faith and rest and trust in God. So we're so thankful for the opportunity. We have to get back there. Lord willing, we'll be back there at the end of this year. God is doing a wonderful job, and in our support and bringing us along the way. And while we're there, we're excited to be able to encourage other people, uh, other missionaries, to just keep going and and develop times where we can get together and encourage each other and and just lift each other up because we all need it, don't we? I want to encourage you today, in the church here, find somebody that will help you and somebody you can help and find the rest you need in the Lord so that you can continue on with longevity. Pastor. Thank you, Brother Dinsmore. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this encouragement. Thank you for Brother Dinsmore and his family. Lord, I pray that you would uh, open every door, uh, prepare every step, Lord, uh, meet the needs for them. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to be a part today. Lord, I pray you bless in our service to come. We'll be with those traveling yet to be with us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you meet us, Miss. We'll start our service here in about 17 minutes.